Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com, joined as always by Travis Ryer, the long-standing senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Our Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. You can get the Talking Tide podcast at any podcasting app you prefer. You can also catch us live or recorded on YouTube or Facebook. Also get us at our web host at Megaphone. Dot com. Quickly want to thank our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. And with that, we dive into the Sunday Nighter after a full day of some outstanding NFL action. Uh, just witnessed the Chiefs knock off the Bills in overtime and an epic finish. Maybe we'll touch on that at the end of the program. But for now, Alabama football news. From the transfer portal, Travis, Jalen Moody, the uh, veteran Alabama linebacker who had been in the portal and reportedly on his way out is now back in. I think on our last podcast, we discussed uh, that uh, they can they can turn around and, and come back from whence they came with this transfer portal sometimes. That's what's going on with Jalen Moody. And you wonder... Uh, if Christian Harris's exit to the NFL perhaps had something to do with that, I think when you and I uh, last launched a podcast here on Talking Tide, Harris had not yet made up his mind. Uh, but not surprisingly, he is off to the pros. Yeah, or at least we discussed that scenario in terms of timing of Jalen Moody entering the transfer portal and how at that time we still didn't know for sure about Christian Harris's status from an official perspective. And then that of course came down the pike with Christian deciding to make the move. And then, yeah, until these guys land, especially guys that still fit the situation from which they are leaving until they land at that next spot, I think you've got to take that into account. And I think Moody's situation underscored once again, that, fluidity very much a part of this in terms of how things can change uh, even with guys that do go into the portal frankly as frequently as we hear of guys going into the portal and kind of never coming out right a lot of guys go into that portal and more or less disappear there are more players that go into the portal than there are coaches who have spots for all those guys uh, so I, I don't, th- I, I think guys coming back out of the portal and, and staying where they were at to begin with is something we're going to see plenty of, uh, if they forward. still have a spot, you know, right. if they have a spot to go back to, I think that's where Jalen Moody's different than a lot of guys. Um, I think he still had a spot to go right. back to if he wanted to, I think for some of these guys, once they make that declaration or go into the portal, well, you know. We had already gone ahead, <laughs> right? And figured your spot. Yeah, exactly. You know, the numbers aren't looking like they'll work out for you to come back, and I, I think that's you know a situation that some of these guys, unfortunately, are confronted by. I don't think that Jalen Moody was one of those guys. You don't wish anybody uh, to to end up losing a spot on a team because they make a bad portal decision. On the other hand, if this is the reality of the portal, then the players got to understand that the coach's reality is I've got a spot to fill, and if I feel like I can fill it with somebody better than this kid who just exited, then so be it. Yeah, and 
if you don't pretty much have a spot lined up before you hit submit on that portal application, yeah, then you're doing it wrong too, yeah. right? Um, now, some guys, it doesn't matter. They can go into the portal and and, and know that they've got a spot somewhere. Right. Too many of these guys don't have spots. And so my advice to a lot of these guys would be, uh, don't quit a job till you got a job. And so before you go through the process formally, um, make sure you got a place to go. Always good to know how far that next lily pad is, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Certainly one guy in the portal who uh, would have fallen into that category of having no problem finding multiple suitors uh, was Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver from Georgia, who has announced he is Alabama bound, made 26 catches for roughly 500 yards for the Bulldogs this past season. That's close to 20 yards a catch, had five touchdowns. And, you know, you and I have talked, Travis, a little bit about how the Alabama receiving core for 2022 has been pretty much decimated uh, with early entry exits. And so uh, you got to think Alabama is not only an attractive uh, destination for receivers in the portal, but, you know, maybe, maybe Burton's not even the end of it. Yeah, you wonder because you had heard rumblings involving Kayshawn Butte, the wide receiver from LSU on the heels of Eli Ricks making the move from LSU to Alabama. But that has seemed to have died down here in the last couple of weeks. But absolutely, especially if you're a guy like Jermaine Burton and you average nearly 20 yards per catch in 2021 and you have eight career touchdown grabs in two seasons on just 53 catches total, that's a nice uh, catch to touchdown catch ratio. Uh, and, and you're looking at an offense that's going to emphasize outside guys more than Georgia is as long as Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and those tight ends are such a big part of that offense as they should be with that type of talent. You can't really fault Georgia for it, but you're not going to be a 70 plus catch guy in a season. And if you're Jermaine Burton, you look at some of these guys like John Mechie and Jamison Williams, both up over 70 catches in 2021. Um, you know, even in previous seasons, they've had some high volume guys, multiple high volume guys. Well, those are kind of touches you want. And going into his third year of college football, I'm sure Jermaine Burton has NFL aspirations and you want to build that resume as much as you can. And why not build it with the best quarterback in all of college football? Well-built kid, almost kind of built like a running back, six feet tall and a full 200 pounds. It's going to be interesting to see how he's used in the Alabama offense. Uh, but, you know, you th you look at a yards per catch like, you know, 19, 20 yards per catch, and on paper mm -hmm. you think of a guy like a Jamison Williams. Uh, but this guy's, um, this guy's a physical player. Yeah, if you're an old enough individual like we are, you think maybe in terms of body type to a Josh Reed of LSU many, sure. many years ago, 20 plus years ago, I guess it is. Now, Has it been that long? Don't, don't tell oh, me it's been that long. It's been about at least 20. It's been around 20 for Josh yeah. Reed and a lot of Alabama fans remember him coming into Tuscaloosa and just absolutely torching the Alabama defense in one of those matchups back in the day. But no, Burton, you're right. Physically, I don't know if he resembles a true X outside receiver, but I do think you can do some different things with him, and he can be a Mechie type. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, where you can get him a lot of targets in third down, red zone, show some instinctive things that should help when Bryce extends plays. Um, those are important attributes. And then on the outside, you're still hopeful that Ja'Cory Brooks, Ajay Hall, you know, become more proficient in the route tree. Whereas I think with Jermaine Burton, you're getting a much more polished player at this point in his development. As long as we're talking about incoming transfers, I don't think we've talked much about the Jameer Gibbs kid either coming in from Georgia Tech. Not a wide receiver. He's a running back, but an explosive guy and and certainly a guy who could who could do a lot of damage, I think, for Alabama. The guy's got NFL written all over him, in my opinion, Travis. A lot of talent there. Explosive guy. You can throw it to him. Um, you know, played in an offense at Tech where there's going to be a pretty good bit of translation and going from that offense to Alabama's offense shouldn't be a tough, you know, he's not going from Paul Johnson's offense, you know, right. he, he's going from, uh, you know, an offense similar to what Alabama employs. So yeah, there's a lot of excitement about Jameer Gibbs. And especially when you consider the potential availability issues that you could have with running backs in general this spring. Um, I think you can see Gibbs in that return role for Alabama. That, as well. He can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, that's always a competitive role. There's always, there's never a shortage of of guys who can handle those returns on Alabama's roster. But I would not be at all surprised to see Gibbs uh, back deep on kickoffs at the very least. Did it uh, at Tech? So yeah. We uh, yeah. we shall see on that. All right, going to thank a couple of sponsors on the Talking Tide podcast here really quickly. Then we will dive into our Alabama basketball update. Going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and the outstanding job that Dr. Jack Smalley and his dental hygienist will do for you and your family for all your dentistry needs. Get in there twice a year for your routine cleanings. You need something more specific than that. They got you taken care of. Endodontics, dentures, cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneers. They do it all over there. The teeth whitening services, extremely popular. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features over at North River Dental Associates. You can find them at 1100 Fairfax Park, conveniently located right off of Watermelon Road. They're great with dealing with the insurance folks and you will be in and out of there uh, typically in under an hour, sometimes a lot less than an hour on a routine cleaning. And that's not an hour in the chair that's an hour or less door to door uh great experience over there at north river dental if you'd like to make an appointment give them a call at 205-752-3506 or visit northriverdentist.com i'm going to tell you about peterbrook chocolatier out there in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa february 14th right around the corner go ahead and call peterbrook chocolatier and pre-order those babies right there, those hand-dipped chocolate strawberries, 205-752-0211. Pre-order the hand-dipped chocolate strawberries. And trust me when I tell you, they're going to be dipped the same day you pick them up at Peterbrook Chocolatier. They don't dip them once a week or two times a week or three times a week. That's a daily thing at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Make the call to 205-752-0211. Pre-order your Valentine's Day or Valentine's weekend because Valentine's Day is on a Monday. So you're going to have to sugar booger it all weekend long, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, Monday, you're going to be heading into Valentine's Day. You're going to want to be well armed with those chocolate strawberries there 
Hey, Peter broke chocolates here. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. That's just four teams left for you to bet on at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, DraftKings is offering 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer. You can experience the uh, same game parlays as well. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download that sports that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Get those 56 to 1 odds. $5 bet will get you 280 bucks in free bets with promo code TPPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And what about, Travis, we'll just go off the topic because we can do that here when we feel like it. Uh, what about that? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Oof. overtime finish with the Chiefs uh, getting over the top at home and just an absolute wild affair in the divisional playoff round. Yeah, some of the craziest football you'll ever see in the last, what, three or four minutes? Yeah. Just absolutely insane. It felt like both those teams won that game two or more times before overtime. And so – for it to go to overtime and the overtime rules to still be in effect in a postseason game like that, you felt for the Buffalo Bills because in some ways it it seemed like it came down to the luck of a of a toss there at midfield before the overtime. But uh boy, both the quarterbacks, you can't say enough about them and just guys at that level with that type of ability, you just can't defend the field well enough and especially the middle of the field where these guys just seem like they rip defenses and so extremely entertaining both teams deserving of moving on um and it as it always does comes down to quarterback play and just as a weekend in general i think what all four of the divisional games came down to the final possession unreal you yeah. can't ask for more than that in, in, in the nfl playoffs nail biters across the board joe burrow in uh the uh, conference championship action as well. You'll have uh, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, and Jimmy Garoppolo. One of these things is not like the other, Travis. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy uh, G, a, baby. Not Tommy B. Uh -uh. Jimmy G. Not quite on the level with those other three. But San Francisco runs the football, and they play some defense. They play some defense. Yes, they do. And they definitely kick it. And their kicking game was better than Green Base. I think we can – all agree upon that on that Saturday night debacle from the Packers at home on special teams. But, no, looking forward to it. And no Tom Brady, man. It looked like after Saturday you're sitting there thinking, man, this thing is set now for Brady again. Yeah. Because all the Bucks got to do is win at home, and then they get the NFC championship game, uh, you know, at home next weekend against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. But give the Rams credit. They – they tried to go Falcons in the Super Bowl a little bit in that yeah. one earlier on Sunday, but Stafford came up big. You talk about silencing some critics for several years now. I thought Stafford did that late in the game with that deciding drive. I could not believe, you know, Stafford 
is better against the blitz than any quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. And they come after him on that critical long pass to Cooper's cup with a blitz from the nickel, Travis, mm-hmm. and you're leaving a safety on the best receiver in the game. And Stafford just goes right over the top and uh ball game right there. That was an ill-advised blitz call. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. These coordinators, they get a little tight. They get a little antsy. Now look, we also hear how many times, well, played prevent rush three, you know, give it up that way. It's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't in that situation. But I hear you in terms of that particular matchup. That's the one guy you can't leave one-on-one in that situation for the Rams. Although maybe, you know, Beckham's presence helps there too in adding him right later in the season and, you know, gives you some opportunities to get more of those matchups. All right, moving on to Alabama basketball. The Crimson Tide knocked off Missouri at home. Final score, 86-76. to 76. Travis, uh, quite a comeback for the Crimson Tide. They had a 50-point second half mm-hmm. in this game uh, and were down pretty big. Mizzou got out to a lead of 14-3 to early in the game. Uh, then they ended up with a lead of 63-49 with a little, little bit less than 14 minutes to go. And then from there, Alabama just absolutely took it over. They did. Uh, you know, finished on a 7-0 run in the final minute, 27, 18-3 over the final 545. And meanwhile, Missouri makes just one of its last eight field goals and yeah, turned up the defense, too. I mean, Missouri, its last time out in this series, just a couple of Saturdays ago, put 92 on Alabama, and that went over the Crimson Tide. And you know, Kobe Brown is obviously a big part of what Missouri gets done, the post player, and he went for 30 and 13 in the first meeting. Well, he did have 10 rebounds on Saturday against Alabama, but just six points. And, you know, Alabama was able to keep him in check on the offensive end. Alabama did a good job, a better job the last couple of games of not fouling as much and a big edge at the free throw line once again, 21 to 3. Alabama outscored Mizzou from the charity stripe. And over the last four games, Alabama's averaging about 29 free throw attempts per game, which is good because, you know, their three-point shooting continues to leave something to be desired. Yeah, Alabama, they were 0 for 15 in the second half from three-point range in their previous game against LSU. Then they come out of the gate 1 for 10 against (laughs) Missouri. So you put those two together, Travis, 1 for 25. Mm. Uh, from three-point range, but then uh, they warmed up. They ended up hitting, uh, looks like, eight out of their last 17 three-point attempts against Missouri, so they warmed up, but one for 25 is a a pretty frozen stretch there over two games. Yeah, and it's one that's not probably sustainable for them as much as they lean on that three-point shot. You know, interesting lineup-wise, went a little smaller. Charles Bediaco doesn't get the start in the post. They go with Gurley and really stretch him, and uh, Darius Miles, really the four-guard look with Darius Miles, J.D. Davison, Jaden Shackelford, Keon Ellis, and Quinterly still coming off the bench for a second straight game. And when you look at it, though, with Davison, Shackelford, Ellis, and Quinterly, all those guys played 32 or more minutes in the game. So uh, some interplay with those guys. And look, it was a slow start. Once again, Alabama down 21-7 to there uh, in the first half. Nate had seen enough. Uh, he goes to the walk-on Britton Johnson for three minutes of action in the first yes. half. And, you know, Britton had an and-one opportunity on a make. and Back he seemed to at least, Yeah, seemed to at least 
give some energy uh, and also clearly set the message to the rest of the roster that, you know, if you're not going to do the principles that make up the the hard hat approach that Nate Oates employs, he's going to keep going down that bench until he finds somebody that will. So uh, I thought James Rojas didn't play a ton, 12 minutes, but he was similar in that way. And, um, you know, they get it done. This is a stretch, as we talked about, a three-game stretch, beginning with LSU, Missouri, Tuesday night coming up at Georgia. They got to take care of business in these three because it gets a lot deeper at the other end of the pool coming up. You can pretty well tell Nate Oates is a big Rojas fan. I mean, he is, oh, yeah. as, as soon as he was healthy and ready to go, he, he was hitting double-digit minutes pretty much right out the gate and uh, does a lot of dirty work. There's no question about it. So, uh, uh, Rojas is going to be taking some minutes away from somebody. Maybe it's Betty Ako. Uh, who knows? But uh, Alabama now 13-6 and six on the regular season, 4-3. and three in SEC play and nine and one in Coleman Coliseum. Uh, pretty tough, uh, tough bunch to knock off at home there. Javon Quinterly, 13 points, nine assists in the game. J.D. Davison, 17. Jaden Shackelford, 21. So that uh, that pretty much covers it, Travis. I think uh, um, the defense and the rebounding have to be there when the shooting's not. And I think in, in, in that stretch where Alabama dropped three straight SEC games, they were spotty in, in both defense and rebounding, both those respects. But against Missouri, uh, when they were cold in the first half, I think they, they managed to stay close and, and keep themselves in it despite that cold shooting because they, they did a better job with that defensively and, and, uh, and hitting those boards. Yeah, I think Nate probably really liked the 23 offensive boards for Alabama in the game, um, you know, from a percentage perspective, uh, Missouri still shot 48% from the field, which oh, this is the lowest scoring offense in the SEC in Mizzou. So I'm sure he's found some issues to talk about defensively, but just in terms of, you know, energy and effort in general and some toughness, especially down the stretch, I think he had to be encouraged by what he saw Saturday evening. Missouri shot it well. There's no doubt. It's the second game in a row they've they've really shot the ball well. They shoot like twenty seven percent from three. Yeah. And I know Nate feels like, hey, we can play some zone against these guys. Yeah. And then they come out and shoot, like you said, forty six percent from three Saturday. So they are way above their baseline um for threes in games against Alabama this year. They've they've shot it extremely well. As you noted, Travis, Alabama will be at Georgia on Tuesday. That'll be a 5.30 p.m. Central time tip. That'd be 6.30, I guess, local time over in Athens. Your network will be the SEC network. To tune in for that one and make sure you tune in for the next edition of Talking Tide as well. It's going to wrap us up here for the Sunday Nighter for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we will talk to you next weekend right here on Talking Tide.